0: You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Redefining Rural podcast. I am Michelle Murphy, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Kirk Banghart. Daniil is on the road, stuck right, Kirk, on the way home from a a cowgirl event somewhere in um, Texas. So we haven't had her with us for the last couple of episodes, and we miss her. But she'll be back with us next week or next month, we promise. We're super excited today. We have, I say this every time, one of my favorite rural superintendents in the state. Um, Chris Stelly is the board president for the Rural Alliance and also the superintendent of the Meeker School District. So welcome, Chris. I know you're thrilled to be here. And um, tell us a little bit about Meeker and yourself, uh, and then we'll get started.
1: Well, I grew up in Ray, Colorado, so that's about as rural in Colorado as you can get. Uh, So I feel like I have a pretty good handle on rural communities. Went to Colorado School of Mines, got an engineering degree, spent six years working as an engineer. Four of that was in Southeast Asia. Um, But then I decided I didn't like money very much, and so I was just going to go ahead and go into public education. Uh, So I had an opportunity to teach math and coach wrestling and simla, and then was an administrator in Lyman and an administrator superintendent in Westcliff. And then I've been in Meeker for six years now and haven't regretted that decision one bit. When you think about, you know, influence in the world, there's really, I don't think there's a higher calling than the opportunity to be able to work with children and, and be a positive influence in their lives. Meeker is a, is a pretty typical rural community in Colorado. I, I think of rural Colorado, I think of places like Meeker. There are generational families in our community, people who have lived here and own ranches for four, five, six generations, uh, just real down-to-earth folks, salt-of-the-earth kind of people, solid values, very close-knit community. Everybody knows everybody's business. Um, a lot of times that's in a good way, and it's a positive, it's a positive thing. Uh, We have about 700 kids in our school district. Uh, We have three school buildings, uh, middle school, uh, high school and an elementary school. Um, And we have been in person since the beginning of the school year, like a lot of our rural counterparts. Uh, We have intentionally done that. We've been thoughtful about how we can maintain in-person learning. Um, And fortunately we've been able to to pull it off and and keep rolling with it. Uh, We did lose about 10% of our student population to Online and homeschool programs, we late in the summer decided to go ahead and start our own online program and we got a few of those kids back and so our net student count is down about 8% and and like a lot of other districts in the state, we got a lot of those kids back right after Christmas time as well too. Not a lot, but some of them back. Um, So that's, that's me and that's Meeker.
2: Awesome, Chris. Well, thank you so much. So talk to us a little bit more about why you saw this power of in-person learning being so critical for Meeker to the point where you guys decided to stay in person while uh, schools across the country were deciding other routes. So talk to us about what what you saw and the power of, of why you wanted to be in person for the Meeker School District.
1: Sure. So I think it's important for us to, to set the groundwork that there's – no other place in our culture that replicates the learning that occurs in a classroom with a quality instructor. It doesn't exist anywhere else. And there's really nothing else that replicates the human interaction that our kids get when they come to our schools as well too. And we all know that that's extremely powerful for their social and emotional well-being, which has to be taken care of first before they can ever engage in academic learning. And so you know that um, but then, when you're forced to shut down for a number of weeks and months, it, it becomes all that much more obvious how important it is. What a what a role our schools play for our communities in terms of not only just the you know the academic learning, but the the sense of normalcy that our kids need. We we know kids need structure and they need dependable adults that they can be around that help them grow and learn and mature and, and foster their curiosity and and do all those things that we talk about, but maybe sometimes don't really recognize until they get taken away from us for a time being. Um, our community as well, too, we, we've been somewhat protected from the virus in, in terms of data. We tend to lag behind the state a little bit, but we really didn't have any cases, positive cases in Meeker until about the middle of August. I think we had one in July and, and that was it through the course of the summer. And so all summer long, we knew that we probably were headed toward in-person learning. There's no reason for our school to be shut down when there wasn't any virus locally. locally. Um, our public health department was a fantastic supporter. They, they said very, very early in the Pandemic, that their role was to support our community, not to dictate what our community was going to do, and so uh, they were a great partner in in developing our plans and figuring out how we were going to get kids back in the building. Um, You know, when we when we had to shut down, we saw kids just go dark on us, for lack of a better term, where we couldn't communicate with them, we couldn't get in touch with them we had no idea what was happening in their homes we had no idea if they were being cared for and we weren't going to go back there we very intentionally from the very beginning of the school year said we can be in person and we are going to be in person so we you know we developed all these metrics and and data points to make determinations about what our instructional models would be, whether that's full time in person or a hybrid model or what have you. And as we went through the first semester, we found out that probably our schools were safer than any other place in our community. We actually went to a hybrid model for our middle school and our high school uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas break because we were starting to see an uptick just like a lot of other places in the state. And we found out that that probably did more damage than good. Again, we lost some of those kids. They even when they were in school, you know, half of the time they still weren't engaged like they were when they were here the entire time, and their their learning was obvious that they were losing. Um, you know, there was a lot of learning loss going on there, um, as well as just their you know their zest for life and their excitement and their engagement in their school and their community. And then on top of that, it turns out we don't have a lot of control over them when they leave our building, and so right. even though they were to. You know, getting on classes in their Google classroom, they were at each other's houses doing it. And so the idea of having them at home was actually counterproductive to what we were trying to accomplish from a virus transmission standpoint. And so at that point, we scrapped all those plans that we made earlier in the year and basically said, second semester, we're going to go to school and we're going to stay in school unless it becomes operationally impossible for us to do so, which of course we all know that means if you got a bunch of teachers that are quarantined or you know other conditions where you just can't function as an organization. Um, I wouldn't second guess that decision, although it's been hard uh, because we've had some scenarios in the second semester that we've had to work through that have been very challenging. And of course, we all know that schools are in a situation right now that no matter what you decide, somebody thinks you're wrong. And so we've had to work through some of these situations where um, we had to make some hard decisions, but the goal was to keep kids in classrooms because of what we have seen over the last nine months happens to them when they aren't in school. We had just a quick story. We had a quarantine um, about a third of our high school right after Christmas break for some some cases that were um, prevalent and, and that went fine. And we got those kids tested and got them back in school within about a week. Um, again, public health helped us out. A few weeks later, we had a quarantine about half of our sixth grade class because of some positive cases. There were sixth graders in tears sitting in the commons area because you know, they were afraid of what it meant for their families. And, and the fact that they were going to go home and they weren't going to be around their teachers. And I mean, that was just heartbreaking. It was ironic that it was a vastly different reaction than our high school kids gave us when we quarantined <laughs> them. Uh, but y- you still saw, even when those high school kids went home, you know, their initial reaction was, yeah, we're out of school. And then you you hear them talking as they walk down the hall and you see what they're saying when they go home. And they were just as heartbroken as those sixth graders were. How are the
0: teachers doing? Has it been... Has it been a challenge for them coming into the classroom every day and every people are wearing masks? Is everybody wearing masks? Was that, has that been a challenge in your community?
1: Yeah. So everybody has masks on. Our community has been really good. They, they understand that that's one of the, protocols that we have in place to ensure that we can stay in person, right? You, you layer all of those things on top of each other, whether it's mask wearing or washing your hands or physical distancing. And as you layer those on, it, it mitigates that risk. And so that allows you to stay in person. And so our, our community has been pretty good about the, about the fact that we're asking everybody to wear masks when they're in school. Our teachers are champions. Um, education's hard when you're not in a pandemic. Teaching's hard when you're not in a pandemic. Um, and then when you don't know who's going to be in your class tomorrow and, and you are forced to learn distance learning protocols and strategies and in a very short period of time, you know, we, if you, if you were to do what we did last spring in, in a kind of a normal environment, you would have taken 12, 18, 24 months to train people how to do that. And we, we did it in about two weeks. We transitioned from full-time in-person to full-time online. And so that's, you know, that's challenging for staff. On top of that, you still have the normal things that we deal with in a school year. We're in, a, in the middle of a very intensive literacy training for our elementary teachers. We're just wrapping up a major construction project on, on our transportation center and our high school. And that's all layered on top of, um, you know, the the stresses of the pandemic as well too. And so our teachers are tired and they're worn out. And they, you know, they, they're they stressed out. You, you saw some, uh, reactions from people in 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 the school year that normally you would expect from them late in the school year. Um, but you know what? They're committed. They love our kids. They love our community. They're committed to our schools. And even when they know that they're at risk to a certain degree, they're going to show up and they're going to love those kids and they're going to teach them. And so I, um, it's hard. Yes, it's very hard for them. But I, I'm so grateful for the adults that I get to work with.
2: Awesome. Well, I think, Chris, I think that was a pretty powerful statement when you talked about that you wouldn't go back to that darkness and and the connections with kids. And I think that speaks volumes uh, for your district and the people that you have around you. Um, Also, when you when you think about where you guys have been over the last nine months, what do you feel like you're going to take forward um, from this experiment that we've had over the last year of this pandemic? And what, what do you see moving forward with your district into the future?
1: I think you know some of the specific strategies. We're we're still kind of starting those conversations and, and how you you know you you keep the positives going. We've had some early conversations around being very intentional to not use the pandemic as the excuse to do something that we always wanted to do this thing, whatever it was. And now we can use COVID as the reason to do it or to not do it. Um, and so you know trying to trying to differentiate what is something we probably should have done anyway with what is something that we've learned through the pandemic. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation when we start to think about some of the decisions we've made, uh, but certainly, you know, everybody I think has gotten better at distance learning. We know that our kids need to have that skill uh, and, and our, our teachers need to be able to guide them through how to you know, access materials digitally and, and learn from those platforms. Um, I think uh, our partnership with our public health department and our medical professionals, we didn't really have much of a partnership with them prior to this. And it's been a fantastic partnership. And so how do we leverage that to continue to provide for the needs for our students and our community? Um, I think probably the biggest thing right now that I take away is just being grounded in your values. I mean, there's so much noise out there right now. How do you, how do you, you know, find your North star or your, you know, put first things first. If you're a Stephen Covey kind of person, you know, how how do you do that and maintain focus on that despite the noise, despite the criticism that you know you're going to get? I think focusing in on your purpose has been a lesson we've probably all learned very well over the last nine months.
0: Well, Nancy Wiley's one of my favorite rural superintendents, one of our humble leaders that makes, I mean, the impact locally is, um, you just feel it talking to you, Chris. You're just a powerful leader in your, your sort of quiet way. Um, and we thank you for taking the time to be here and sort of sharing some of your experience and expertise with the field. Um, I think that's all I've got. Kirk, anything?
2: No, I would just I would echo what Michelle said. Chris, thank you so much for all the good that you're doing for Meeker School District, your staff, your kids. Uh, You truly are an inspiration for other districts around the state. So thank you and continue the great work you're doing. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. I've
2: always been thankful to live in Meeker and even more so right now.